Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, today we say aloha to alohas. And so this is the final alohas uh, of aloha. And so for those of you who have kind of enjoyed playing with that uh, word and doing that, well, we're done. And so those who you're like, I wish we would move on from aloha, uh, guess what? Your, your dream has come true today. So you have to sit through one last one. And, um, but if you've got your version app, you've got your bulletin, um, we've kind of been tracking along with this concept that uh, the hellos and goodbyes of the epistles help us to embrace all that God has for us because he has a lot for us. And these, these hellos and these goodbyes and the epistles, the alohas, which again, we've said it every week that we recognize there in Hawaii, aloha is used on both ends of the conversation to say hello, to say goodbye. It's on both sides uh, of it. And, and it, we, as we drill down, it actually doesn't mean hello or goodbye. It means grace, it means mercy, it means, it means peace, it means compassion, it means pity. It is this place where it is this emotive word where as the, the island people of the Hawaiian islands greet one another, say goodbye to one another, they're actually extending grace and peace. And we see that the epistles, the letters that are written here in the New Testament, that they open and they close with those concepts over and over again. And so many times we can, those of us who've been in the scriptures for a long time, um, we can begin to, to feel like that the, the epistles, that all the meat is in the middle. And that the, the, the hello and the goodbye doesn't really add much to it. But when we see these things keep repeating and showing up, there's actually a lot of good stuff there for us, and we've looked at a lot of concepts along the way, and, and after I laid the series out, it, it ended up that there were some of words, Hawaiian words, we actually knew that fit with exactly what the scriptures were talking about, whether it was family or thank you or, or priest or any of those different things. And so, but today, um, most of us are not going to know this Hawaiian word, but um, I just went ahead and found one that went with today. So just to roll out the the, uh, the theme, but this, the, the title of this message is the Hawaiian word pono, and pono means righteous, and righteous is one of these words um, that, uh, and of course pono means virtuous or, or beneficial or just, it's this concept that things have been made, been made right, that things have been put in place the way that they should be. And this word righteous or righteousness shows up in the scriptures a lot of times. And, and we don't use um, that word on a regular basis anymore. There was, a, there was a, a time period where it was used in a slang way. Um, but we don't use the word righteous or righteousness hardly at all. And in the church world, um, it begins to be uh, an intimidating word. It begins to have this, this weight and it can have this this thing where it feels like you're being judged. If somebody's talking about righteousness, 
um, then you feel like that they probably are going to say righteous and, and maybe their cheeks are jiggling when they say it and, and there's this intensity to it. And, and so, uh, but righteous is a word we as, as believers, we need to embrace and, and we need to be excited about because it's something that God does in us. So many times we think that righteousness is this, this righteous living is what we're supposed to present back to God. God gave us Jesus and now we have to live this righteous life back to him. But actually righteousness is something he imputes and he gives to us and then he works out in our lives. It's not something we do for him, it's something he does in us. And we ought to be excited about it and we ought to be looking for it and we ought to be anticipating righteousness Things that are right growing up in our lives. But if we don't understand what it means, we can kind of be freaked out by it. And so I shared this story. I've used it over and over again every time I talk about righteousness. Um, and so because there are certain words that if you don't know what they mean, they, 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 they produce the wrong connotation. But while we were in Jamaica, in Jamaica there's this beautiful flower, this beautiful, delicate flower that just grows wild all over Jamaica. In fact, when I brought it up, they pridefully said, we have seven different varieties uh, of this flower. And I said, man, in San Angelo, we like these flowers, but you've got to protect them and you've got to have a greenhouse to bring them in in the wintertime. And so it's, it, you have to work real hard to grow this flower up. And so, but I'm, gonna, I'm about to say the name of the flower and you're all familiar with it if you care about flowers at all. But it's, the, it's a, the flower called the bougainvillea. And so, but if you had never heard of a bougainvillea, and you just heard the word bougainvillea, um, that sounds like something you need to run from. That sounds like the, the, the man that's hiding, the, the, the creature that's hiding in the closet. That the, the little girl comes down with her blankie and her teddy and she's crying. You're like, why can't you go to sleep? She's like, because I think the bougainvillea is going to get me. And you're like, hey, you didn't eat your vegetables. You, you better. Or the bougainvillea will get you if you don't eat your vegetables. And the bougainvillea is just a scary sounding word. It's scary sound. But then you find out what it is. It's this, this beautiful, delicate, amazing flower. And then all of a sudden now it's, it's not a scary word anymore. It's not a scary word at all. And righteousness, so many times, we've, if we've grown up in church, we have this wrong connotation, and it feels like a club that some judgy person tries to beat you into lying with. It's not that at all. Righteousness is this beautiful thing that God is doing in our lives. It's part of the redemptive work, part of the salvation we receive in Christ. And we ought to be excited about it, and we ought to want to be looking at it. And, and at the alohas of the scriptures, at the openings and the closings of the epistles, this concept of righteousness and sanctification and, and God doing the work in us gets brought up uh, repeatedly. It gets brought up repeatedly. And, and I love the way that Hebrews closes out. Hebrews' final Aloha, final closing. In fact, if you've got your little subject headings in your Bible, this is called the benediction of Hebrews. Of, the, of Hebrews. Now let's look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. It says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, 
This God of peace is going to equip you for, with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. That he's going to work in us what's pleasing to him. Not us trying to figure it out and, and us trying to do something pleasing to him. He's going to work in us what is pleasing to him. After the writer of Hebrews writes all of this different stuff, these are the final comments. These are the final ideas that as they roll the scroll up and put it away, the writer of Hebrews wants them thinking on this concept that God is the one who's going to work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, this is what I want you thinking about. This is what I want to close. This is what I, as I'm giving you my final goodbye on this, I want you to be aware of this truth that God is the one working in you and giving you everything good to do his will, working inside of you what's pleasing to him. Our job is to just cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's all we have to do is cooperate. We don't have to do something. We don't have to fabricate it. We don't have to come up with it. We just have to cooperate with what is going on in our lives, what the Holy Spirit is doing. James opens up with James 1.4. says, but let patience have its perfect work. We're gonna, patience means that there's a process involved, that it doesn't happen all in one moment. Praise God, we step over from death to life and we are heaven ready in a moment. We are heaven ready in a moment. It is fully completed, but the work of letting all of that change that God is going to bring about in our life, it's going to require patience. But let patience have its perfect work. And I love it that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't even have to be our own patience. We tap into the patience of the Holy Spirit. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Well, if that's where you're going, if, you're, if patience is going to help the work be completed, going to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, that means until you get there, you're imperfect, incomplete, and you lack. That looks like us. Let's just be honest. Let's look like us, trying to walk this thing out. Trying to say, you know what? We follow this God of, of, of love and grace, and I'm not always loving and graceful. If I have a God of peace, and I'm not always at peace in my heart. We have a God who, who, who cares about the world, and a lot of times all I do is care about myself. That there's some places where there's this tension. And so many times we can get frustrated if we get too critical of ourselves or, or too critical of the people around us. And we have... To let patience have its perfect work because God is carrying it out. God's the one that's doing it and we have to cooperate with him. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let, us, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. I love this. It's, he gives you wisdom without the lecture. He doesn't say, well, you know, if you'd have come to me, if you had prayed first, you wouldn't have been in this situation. So now I'm going to give you a good tongue lashing, and then I'm going to give you the wisdom. No, it says we can come to him, and he's going to give us wisdom without reproach, without rebuke, some scriptures say, some translations say. And he gives to all liberally without reproach, and it's going to be given to him. 
If you don't know what to do, you found yourself in a mess, go to God. He will give you the wisdom. He will give you the steps to get out of that. He will lead you and guide you. And I tell you what, one of the things I learned that helped me in my growth process with God, that I'm still in to this day, is I recognized that God was not going to give me this laundry list of everything that had to be adjusted in my life because it would be overwhelming. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. I knew in my early 20s that there were things that I blissfully went through life I did that did not align with with the character of God that he didn't talk to me about at all. They weren't Christ-like. I just lived my life. I did it. I had no conviction, no qualms about it, no issues about it. There were other things God has as a front-burner issue. And eventually, he began to get to those things. But if he makes you try to fix everything at one time, we can't handle it. It's overwhelming. So we just let him do it. I, Cutie will share with you um, that I have had her in a list of fixer-upper homes. And we, have, we were fixer-upper before it was ever a show. Man. We just have always done it. I buy an ugly house, and we live in it, and work on it, and make it good, and sell it. And, and that was part of our, our extra income strategy. And so years ago, we had bought a really, really ugly house. I mean, it's ugly. So it had these homemade um, security bars all over the outside of it. I'd roll cutie up to it. The front yard is complete dirt. There's no grass. No weeds wouldn't even grow in it. It was just it was just dirt. And so uh, we roll up all the paint that's peeling off of it. And I'm like, babe, this is our next home. And we just sold a finished house. And she's like, she was not happy with me. She was not happy with me at all on that deal. And, um, and so, but as you looked at it, there wasn't a single surface on that house that was okay. There wasn't. The roof needed to be done, the everything. There wasn't a single surface in that house. And that was going to not just be a project. That was going to be where we lived and had our kids and all those different things. And so what we did is we started with a room. And we got the living room done. And you could sit in a certain place in that living room, and all you saw was a finished living room. You didn't see the dining room. You didn't see the kitchen that somebody had, the previous owner had gotten mad at their spouse and used the kitchen cabinet doors as a bonfire to get even. That actually happened. And so so we have no doors on our cabinets. And so, so, but you don't see it because it was too overwhelming. So we had this, you walked in, and there was a, a finished living room. And then we started on the next room. And then we started on the next room, and we started on the next room, and we started on the next room. And that's how the Holy Spirit, that's how the Spirit works in our lives, and that's how it works in the lives of the people around you. So that's why you and I, we can't be critical of one another. Because you don't know what the Holy Spirit's front burner issue is. You don't know what it is. You have no idea what it is. Years ago when we were at the movie theater, there was a, a young man that came up front and comes up to prayer for me. I'd never seen him before. It was his first time at the church. As soon as the service is over, he comes up, and the, the guy is, is drunk in service. It's Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. He is drunk in service. And he comes forward, and I catch a little buzz off his breath, and 
And so he comes, and, and he's talking to me, and he's like, he's like, Pastor, I, I, I'm tired of being an alcoholic. I'm tired of this. I'm sick of this. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. And I was like, I was just about to pray for him. Okay. And the Holy Spirit said, that's not his problem. I'm like, oh, Lord, it is his problem. I'm pretty sure I can figure this one out. It is his problem. The Holy Spirit was like, that's not his problem. And there was a place of hurt that was down there that the Holy Spirit just revealed. And I just went there and I just said, hey, I really think we need to deal with this. And he just wept, just, just started pouring. And I was like, let's let God do this. And I'm telling you, if we'll let God heal this, we're going to look up, and this alcohol thing, he's going to address that. He showed up the very next week. He said, Pastor, I haven't been drunk all week. I haven't been drunk all week. I was like, praise God. Because that, that wasn't his. He wanted that to be his front burner issue. He didn't even want to deal with what the Holy Spirit was trying to deal with. He's like, I don't want to deal with that. It's too painful. I don't want to think about it. Let's just take, let's just take the symptom away. Let's just take the alcohol stuff away. That's a problem. It's an issue. It needed to be dealt with, but that wasn't what needed to be dealt with first. We need to deal with things that need to be dealt with first. He said, man, Lord, make my spouse quit being such a jerk to me, being so angry at me. You know what? That, that, their, out, their angry outburst may not be the first thing. It may make your life easier, but what's, what is the underlying seed that just makes them ride on the edge of explosion all day? What's, what is so broken? What is so hurt? What is so frustrating? Let's go there. Let's deal with that. And then we'll find the anger patterns and the explosion and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we can begin to deal with some of those things. And that's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And he works in and through us to bring about the fullness of who he is in our lives. And we receive salvation instantly. But he works it out in us over a period of time. See, sanctification is God bringing salvation into every area of of our lives. Sanctification. That's another big scary church word. It's just God sitting there and, and cleaning up all of the hurt. All of the destructive cycles. Getting all of those out. So that every choice we make. Everything we do. Every word we say. Is life giving and beneficial. We're not all there yet. Not every choice are each of us making. Life giving and beneficial. Not every word we say. Is not aligned with the heart of God. Not every choice we make. Not all those things are. But he's going to carry us there. And it's over a period of time. Sanctification is God bringing salvation into every area of our lives. That's what sanctification is. And folks, a lot of you are unaware that you have a salvation package. There's all this stuff that comes with it. It's not just heaven forever and that's awesome and if that's all it was man i'm telling you it'd be amazing but that isn't it that isn't all that's there we have peace we have wholeness we have restoration we have healing we have guidance we have provision we have all of these amazing things and if we'll let god begin to work in us every day he's going to begin to reveal those things that you know what just like you trusted me that you could be forgiven when you thought you couldn't be forgiven Guess what? You can, you, can, you can trust me in other places where you think that's impossible. There's all sorts of impossible that God laughs at, that God wants to show himself strong. 1 Thessalonians 5, 
23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And it's just kind of working its way through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body, your salvation package affects all three areas. Praise God, our spirit steps over from death to life. It was dead. It is now alive. It was, our spirit wasn't sick. It was dead. And we are made alive in Christ. We're made alive in him. We step over from death to life right then. But then our soul, our soul has some issues. Our mind, our will, and our emotions have some bad patterns and some hurts and some things. We need to let sanctification happen there. Our bodies are dealing with the ramifications of, of, of sin and the destruction and, and the fact that things aren't aligned with the way God originally designed them. And we need to trust God in our physical bodies. His, it works all the way through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He's the one. He's the one that does it. He's the one that does it. See, God is the one who does the work in our lives. John 17, 15 says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but, <clears throat> but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You want to begin to let the sanctification process this growing up process, all of salvation coming fully to your life, you want to accelerate that, spend more time in God's Word. Spend more time in it. Not just out of religious responsibility, but at, at, from a place of a treasure hunt. There's so much good there. and Your Word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For, <clears throat> for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Why can we be truly sanctified? Because Jesus is sanctified. We get it from him. We receive it from him. He's the one that does it. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that is us. We're the ones, all these years later, 2,000 years later, thousands of miles away, we're celebrating who Jesus is because it went from the lips of one person to, to the ears of another and just kept going and kept going through all of the years and all the miles. And here we are, part of this crowd. And Philippians 1.6 is being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And again, this is Paul telling the Philippians, I'm confident that he's going to finish the work in you. I'm confident it is. I look at you and I don't see just incomplete. I see the process taking place. I see it all coming together. I see all of these different things. It is amazing. God is the one who does it. And seeing God will work through other people. That's the body of Christ. You work through your body. Makes sense God works through his I love this. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, he's a Colossian. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He was, he was traveling with Paul, and, and Paul's writing back to his hometown, and he's like, hey, Epaphras says, what's up? And so he sends his greetings, and he is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all of the will of God, mature and fully assured. 
Epaphras' prayer on, be- on behalf of his, of his fellow believers back home was that they would be able to stand firm and, and mature and be fully assured. Here we are, we have somebody who's intervening and praying for somebody else's maturity. So many times when we get frustrated with one another, that ought to be a trigger to be an Epaphras for them. To go, man, Lord, this is, I, I want to, to see your, your full restoration taking place in this. When your spouse begins to rub you the wrong way, be an Epaphras for them and begin to pray for them. When your kids begin to rub you the wrong way, be an Epaphras for them and begin to pray for them. That they would stay in the sanctification process. When your coworkers or anybody in your life be an Epaphras for them. God works through that. And 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with each other. We stay connected. We don't isolate ourselves or disconnect ourselves. We stay, we're in fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. As we stay connected with one another and God works through his body, these things that don't line up with God's nature, that's sin. They don't line up with who God is in our, in our original design. So many times we think of sin as just all the little naughty stuff. No, it's anything that doesn't align with who God is in our original design. He pur- it purifies us from that. That stuff, that's the sanctification process working in our lives. If we claim to be without sin, we don't need that, um, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, if we're honest about the places we're needing some help with, then he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Come back to that place of God working righteousness in our lives. Folks, this is a beautiful thing. It is an amazing thing that God loves us so much that he, he sent Jesus and then he didn't just say, okay, great, you get a little start over, do better this time. No. He says, let me do it this time. That is what this is. It's not saying yes to Christ is not saying, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do better. No, he says, I'm going to let you do it. That's what this is about. And right now, what we're going to do is we're going to have our baptismal candidates come forward. We're getting ready for that. And that is, they're not saying here, I'm going to step into these waters and now I'm going to get out and I'm going to do better and I'm going to try harder. That is not what this moment is about. This moment is about them recognizing that it is Jesus first to last. It is Jesus that does it and Jesus that finishes it. It's God's work at work in us. And we're here to celebrate their faith. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, this morning, this morning, you can place your faith in Christ. Um, the water, it doesn't make the difference. This is a beautiful public declaration. What makes the difference, what makes you step over from death to life, is your faith, is believing that Christ did what he did and that it impacts you the way it does, that God is the one who made things right. And he did that through the, his, his son, Jesus Christ. I want to create a quiet moment here and now. That maybe you've been away from God. Maybe you've been on the outside. Maybe you've had the wrong mindset and you thought that, 
that saying yes to Jesus was being ready to try harder and to do better. And, and today you see that that exhausting, get-you-nowhere religious pattern, um, that that's not what it's about. That it's about giving yourself to the one who loves you and gave himself up for you. That it's about letting him have way in your life and lead and, and deal with the issues in your life the way he wants to. And today you believe that. You believe that God was in Christ reconciling you. And if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up. And we want to pray with you. And we want to pray with you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes. Fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. Believers, I want you to just lift your voice with these. We're going to pray together. I'm going to loan you some words and you make them your own. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus. That Jesus' death covers my death. And Jesus' life gives me life. I am fully forgiven because of what Jesus did. So now I give you permission to change me from the inside out. I am fully yours and you are fully mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.